Let's Go Racing Family Podcast, sharing our love for NASCAR, running, and just racing through life. Hosted by Sebastian, Giovanni, Karen, Tony, and me, Johan. Each week, we'll talk about our view of the world through the lens of racing. As crazy as this year has been, it's actually amazing to think that NASCAR was able to finish their Cup Series season in the middle of a coronavirus pandemic. This week's episode is our season finale, where we'll take you through the many twists and turns of the final three races of the year, starting with a record-breaking Texas race, which took four whole days to complete, to Martinsville with an unlikely winner and ending off the championship race at Phoenix Motor Speedway. This season was a lot of fun, so why don't we go ahead and dive into these final races. So, we're going to go ahead and start with the Auto Trader 500, uh, which started on Sunday and finished on Wednesday. I know, that was crazy. It was crazy. That it felt like two different races, literally. Well, actually, this was the second, or uh, the um, NASCAR, the second longest red flag in NASCAR history. The other, the first was um was Bristol, um and like back in the day, and like it started on March 11th, and I think finished on March 25th. Wow! And this one started wow. on what October 25th, and finished October 28th. Yeah, something something around yeah. that time. And they kept trying to get it in. It just they had really bad storms, and then at one point I think your mom was saying that there was a hurricane. Yeah, there was like a yeah, hurricane, there was a hurricane area. in that area. So they were we were at Mortar, uh, Texas Mortar Speedway and so yeah, there was a lot of rain and then there was a hurricane in the Gulf and so I was like, well man, I just hope this doesn't bring more precipitation for that area because at this point, I don't think they're going to get a race in because they need to go to yeah. Martinsville. Yeah, they had to get the Martinsville race in. Yeah, but the biggest problem with the rain, it wasn't like the big storms, it was like the little mist that kept going and getting the track wet and they could never dry it dry it up enough that they could race. Yeah, so it was pretty hard. So when we came back, Clint Boyer was leading after the only 52 laps that were actually ran on Sunday. Then Clint Boyer comes back three days later and wins the first stage on lap 105. Then moving on through the race, Kyle Busch was actually able to take a stage um, for only the second time this season. So pretty big for Kyle Busch. I think it might have been the third time because I remember on um, they said in NBC, they said, and Kyle Busch will win his third stage of the season. I, but um, I may be wrong. You may be right or it may be the opposite. Yeah, but the big thing was that Kyle Busch, not only he was out of the playoffs, but he hadn't won this season. And considering the fact that you're the defending champion and you need and you're out of the playoffs and you haven't won, you want to win. And yeah, luckily, and he was he was focused too on making sure that his win streak wasn't broken this year because he's won the last what fifteen consecutive fifteen consecutive years. And so, you know, he wanted to make sure he got a win. So even though he wasn't in the playoffs, he still wanted to you know, focus on winning a race. So he was determined. Yeah. And Kyle Busch through some green flag pit stops and yellow flag pit stops. He was able to roll the dice and gamble to have the right strategy for him to stretch his fuel and win the race. 
Okay, that was that was like a real nail biter was the fact that Kyle Busch was didn't have technically he didn't have enough laps to finish the race. And so he had to conserve. And so, you know, you were like, well, is he going to finish? Is he not going to finish? Is he going to run out of gas? And there were times where you saw him. I think he like slowed down like his crew chief would would tell him how exactly to, you know, save fuel. And so, yeah, the last those last laps, I was just I didn't know what to think because right behind him was Martin Truex Jr. And I did not want him to punch his way through the champ to the championship. So, you know, I had a lot of reason to root for Kyle also, aside from getting him his first win. But yeah, that uh, fuel mileage thing was just it was stressful for you, wasn't it? Yes. Actually, yeah, when he was doing his burnout, he had enough gas to do a burn uh, burnout, but then he ran out. Yeah, that was that was kind of funny, and uh, yeah, because you watch this and you're you're they're clicking down the laps, and I think at one point he was you would watch how close Martin Truex Jr. was closing, like you were saying, it was very nerve wracking. Like, there's no way he's he's got like 40 laps to go, and and he's gonna knock him. He's gonna he's gonna knock on the door, and he's gonna pass him, and he would get close, and then there was lap traffic that was involved, and just he would start to pull away when he needed to, but you you also heard his crew chief telling him and and his spotters and his team, like they needed to save, he needed to save just a little bit of fuel. And it's really hard. You know, you're wanting to go full as fast as you can full, you know, full bore. And at the same time, you're trying to balance that because you don't want to be on that last lap. And this is a one and a half mile, right? One and a half mile track. You don't want to, you know, cross the white, you know, take the white flag coming around, you know, turns one and two, to go on the backstretch and all of a sudden you lose power. And and again, he was only up by like a second at the most in that last part. And so, yeah, he needed to make sure he maintained it and uh, glad that he did. It was actually pretty exciting and nerve wracking, even though he wasn't one that had um, a chance to make it to championship weekend. And something actually, you saying that like if he ran out of gas on like the um, final lap, that actually happened in the Xfinities, but it was not a gas situation. It was Noah Gregson and Harrison Burton on the final turns. Noah Gregson tried to punch his ticket, but Harrison Burton, who got eliminated in the round of 12, um, punch, or didn't punch his ticket, but he won on a last lap pass. So, yeah, you never know when these fuel runs uh, could could help or hurt you. And, and in this case, Kyle Busch rolled the dice and he and he won. He got it and he got it. He got to extend his streak, and this is the latest in his career to start a season, really, where at the end of the season, where he won a race. This is race number 34, I think, 30, 35. Yeah, it was race number 34. So the latest in a season for Kyle Busch to win. Yeah, that's right, Dad. And Johan, why don't you take us through the top five? Well, the top five is this time I'm going from fifth to first. Fifth was Alex Bowman. Fourth was Ryan Blaney. Third was Christopher Bell. Second was Martin Truex Jr. And first getting the dub was Kyle Busch, his first this season. Excellent. So what about our race picks? How did we all do? So, Mom, why don't you tell us how you did? You actually had another nice weekend. Yeah, I got points. Um, I don't think Denny Hamlin had the best day, though. There was, uh, there was a time where he was, like, in the back at the beginning, like, when we first came back on Wednesday racing and um, there was an incident because 
uh, Matt Kenseth got in front of him and then he he turned him and then Matt Kenseth turned into Bubba. So he was kind of riding in the back and somehow he pulled out a ninth place finish. So I got four points. That's that's pretty impressive. And, and you know, we learn in the playoffs that what will separate the champions from everybody else are the ones that can turn not so good days into decent days. And so for him to get a top 10 out of the way that his uh, race started, I think at one point early in the race, when they came back out of uh, like Wednesday, when they started the race up again, when they had that incident with um, um, uh, Matt Kenseth and Bubba Wallace, it was him. It was Denny Hamlin hitting and, and somewhat damaging his car who hit Matt Kenseth. It took out Bubba Wallace and kind of started all that mess. So for him to turn that around and still finish in the top 10 is pretty impressive. Um, I have a quick correction. I actually got two points, not four. Oh, that's right, because you had a top 10. Well, I actually got four points because I think I had the only one that finished uh, in the top five. I had actually picked Martin Truex Jr. And let's be honest, and we all knew it while we were watching the race end. He truly did have the fastest car out there. It was just a matter of fuel strategy and making sure he was out and unfortunately, he could not get around Kyle Busch, but we were all happy. And I was ha- actually happier that Kyle won than had Martin Truex Jr. would have won that for uh, for me. Sebastian, who'd you pick? I sadly did not pick my favorite driver, Kyle Busch. I would have gotten a lot of points. Instead, I picked Kevin Horvick because I thought he's been doing really good. He's going to get me some points. He did not. He finished 16th, which this is very uncharacteristic for him. I mean... He goes a lap down and then is, yeah, he goes a lap down after hitting the wall. And now he could be in jeopardy when we go yeah. to Martinsville. I mean, you think about Mar- like the week that Kevin Harvick had, right? Or the week before when they were racing, he was second. And, and again, probably had the fastest car, just couldn't get around Joey at that track. And then comes in this week, has a little damage, and it's not what he needed, but he had such a lead in the points because of how great a year he had that, okay, it was his mulligan. You know, It was one of the first times all season that he didn't finish in the top 10. He finished in 16th, which is crazy. So very uncharacteristic. So we'll see how that plays out in the rest of the playoffs. Gio, you didn't have a great weekend either in your pick. No, I didn't. I picked Chase Elliott, and I had a bit of faith in him. Cause he's been um pretty he's been undoubtedly pretty good this season. So I thought he was gonna pull something out of Texas, get a top ten at least, maybe even a top five. But guess I was wrong. Twentieth place. Ah, <sighs> we love what we get. And Johan, you had Tyler Reddick. He didn't do too bad. I mean, I was surprised that you picked him, but he ended up finishing where? Um, fifteenth, and um, I really have nothing to talk about him because I didn't see him all race. I didn't even know where he was. I didn't even know that if he was out, if he was in, if he got a penalty. I didn't even know any of that. But I'm happy he finished um, in front of the guy who had the most wins this season. And um, even though he didn't get um, points, he got um, five spots away from the good, um, making it to the top ten and getting me points. So I'm still happy for that run, even though he didn't get me points. But, yeah, so... I'm happy for for not having a lot to say about him. You kind of had a lot to say. But anyway, so he finished in 15th, which is pretty solid for him, but not not in the not in the money as you wanted. All right. So we're going to move on to 
the second race of this final round of eight. which was the Xfinity 500 at Martinsville Speedway. This is, of course, the final race of the round of eight. So whoever gets in is in the championship four, and four will be eliminated. So, And the thing that kind of threw everyone off was Kyle Busch winning because normally another driver wins, basically uh, keeping the points. So one person would win, and then an- another person would get in on points. Well, because Kyle won... It just completely threw off everything. So now there's two points that everyone has to fight for. Yeah. So this was the first time, right, in a long time that a race, a, uh, a chase race, wasn't won by somebody who was the Texas race. Who yeah. Was, yeah. The Texas that, race. That the one this late in the season. The Kyle Busch win um, was the first time that in a while that a chase contender hasn't won that particular race. And it just kind of threw everything off. Right. Because now these drivers, other than Joey, are fighting for a position based on points. So if you had to describe this word, this race and with one word, aggressive is the perfect one, because the fact of this is the final race before the final four and everything that happened with Kyle Busch in the point. Now people are more tense and willing to take risks like I got to get up there and do my best. And it's short track racing. And that's yeah. what is known. I mean, especially some place like Martinsville, where a lot of times the only way to get around a guy is to move him out of the way. So this is the perfect storm when it comes to aggressive racing. The last race before the championship weekend. Denny Hamlin won stage one and led a bunch of laps. And then Chase Elliott took stage two, leading the most laps five times to 236 laps. Now, Johan, something interesting happened with Chase, right? Yes. So on pit road, um, Chase Elliott comes to pit road. And before he um, is in the box, a pit crew guy runs out, but then he quickly stops and then come back, comes back in. Um, and and why was that important? Uh, let me, just to tell our audience real quick. Yeah. So basically, you're not the the pit crew guys are not supposed to jump over the barrier before the car is at least one pit stop away. And the Jackman jumped before Chase's car was one pit stop away. And he real- once he jumped over and was in the box, he realized that he jumped too early and he went back. It was almost like a tag thing. He went back and tagged the wall and then waited for Chase's car to come into the pit to then go around. And, and the reason why this happened, too, is if you're not familiar with Martinsville, it's a half mile track. So the pit stops are or the, the pit areas are very contensed together. And where Chase Elliott's pit box was, it was kind of on a curve. So then so the, the, the pit crew doesn't have a clear shot of what the drivers are doing. So they kind of just anticipate and he just jumped the gun. But the smart move was, like you said, he kind of froze and then he went back. And that and and at one point you thought he was going to get it because he kind of was in the middle of the car and then the car pulled in and it it did throw things off. And that- yeah, they had a very long pit stop because actually when they all went out, I even said I was like, wait, what happened to to, to, to chase? chase? He just fell back a bunch of spots. But it wasn't until we saw the replay and what was going on that they were saying that Chase was possibly going to get penalized um, because the Jackman had gone over the wall way too early. And one of the highlights. Um, of like the entire race was that he um 
he went out early, but then he quickly came back in and they didn't get the penalty. Yeah, and that was a split second decision. And they said that. They said that on the broadcast that had that pit crew member, the Jackman, not realized in that very moment, oh, snap, let me go reset myself, then they would have been penalized and he would have been pushed all the way back. And it's Martinsville, short track racing. It's going to be very hard for him to make up all that spot, all those spots so late in the race. But for him to do that, they were even saying, I mean, the guy felt bad, right? He did it. And the announcers were like, that guy's the MVP of the season for that kind of move. He saved Chase Elliott's season. So not only did Chase lead you know, a lot of laps, but he seemed like he was the most dominant car. And aside from having the problem with the Jackman um, pit stop, then later there was a, at lap 405, there was another caution because uh, William Byron spun out and somehow something happened again where they didn't have a good pit stop and Chase came out 10th and he had to work his way back to the top. And he did. And so clearly he had the most dominant car. Also, around lap 407, another caution came out. And Corey LaJoy stayed out, and Martin Shrex Jr. had to restart second. And then due to the choose rule, Chase Elliott was able to get into the second row, and thanks to that restart, he was able to get such a good run that he was able to pass Martin Shrex Jr. Yeah, I was very excited about that because I know that the the announcers were saying, oh, well, clearly he's going to pick, um, Martin Shrex Jr. is going to pick the opposite of what Corey LaJoy is going to pick. And I even said to myself, I'm like, well, uh, Chase, get behind Corey LaJoy because you're going to pass him. And that's exactly what he did because Joey went behind um, Martin Shrex Jr., after the final caution, Brad Keselowski was penalized for speeding on pit row. And so he had to go all the way back to the end of the lead lap. And so there was that whole thing because now the points again had shifted with the chase contenders. And so Brad was going to have to work his way back up to the top in order to be in the top four because with the shifting, uh, Kevin Harvick and him switch places. With just a few laps to go, you had Brad, Kevin Harvick, and Denny Hamlin separated by one point. After all of the races that had happened, after all of the wins that these drivers had, after all the top fives, it came down to these three drivers separated by one point. In one last effort to make the championship for Harvick needs to pass Kyle Busch to make it in. And, um... What he does, he wrecks, tries to wreck Kyle Busch to get past him. But instead of wrecking Kyle, he wrecks himself too into the um bear, into the wall. And Kyle does a 360 to cross the line. And Harvick is eliminated for the playoffs. I know. Well, it's so crazy that after all this season and all of these wins, it came down to that. Kevin Harvick having to try and wreck Kyle Busch coming out of turn four. And I thought he was going to pull it off. Until he spun himself out. And then when he did, I thought this was going to be like a Talladega Nights. And he was going to have to get out of the car and run to the finish line. But it didn't happen for him. And it is so sad because I really wanted to see a guy that won nine times this year make it to the last weekend. And it was almost a lock. Like, had you said one of the main guys wasn't going to make it, I would have said, you know what? I think it would have been Denny Hamlin. We talked about this, right? We talked about the pressure. Denny's never won a championship. He's now going to be a team owner. He's done everything, right? Won multiple Daytona 500s, all of this. He wants to win a championship. Kevin Harvick's won a championship. Brad Keselowski's won a championship. 
I didn't think he had all the pressure like Danny did. And it was Kevin Arvick's team that honestly, it just, it just didn't happen. It just, it is a shock to me that Kevin Harvick is not going to be one of the drivers racing and that Denny Hamlin made it in by the skin of his teeth. It's just, it is the most surprising thing. And it just goes to show that when NASCAR moved to this playoff uh, platform or the, or the, this new format a few years ago, it actually makes all of the races important. Like the, 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 you know, the biggest, uh, the biggest challenge with NASCAR is there are 36 races throughout the year. How do you keep people interested in these races and they're so long and all of this. And when they cut the season and basically said, we're going to have a regular season and Kevin Arvick is the reg- regular season champion. And then we're going to have these playoffs and even, and winning is the most important thing. And even though Kevin Harvick finished second to Joey Logano in the first race of this round, and you're thinking again, he's locked in. He didn't have a great run the week before at Texas. And then he had a bad run in Martinsville and he's out of the playoffs. Like you've got to be on all year long. And so when you get into that final four for championship weekend, you know, these are the top guys and they, they, they knew when to turn it on when the pressure was at its highest. And I'm just surprised of all guys. It was Kevin Harvick that didn't make it. And this is the first year since 2016 that the big three, none of them, well, actually, this is the first year um, that um, none of the big three have made it to the championship. Truex was eliminated. Harvick was eliminated. Kyle was eliminated. Yeah, it was very surprising that um, Kevin Harvick didn't make it. I'm not the biggest Kevin Harvick fan, but I honestly thought he was going to win the championship this year. He was so so dominant. And then to see him struggle in these last two races, it was it was pretty sad. So before we wrap up this segment and talk about next week, who ended up being the final four for this year's championship weekend? Your final four are Joey Lugano, Chase Elliott, Brad Kozolowski, and Denny Hamlin. They will be competing in Phoenix next Sunday for the championship. Three of those drivers, I know, they're pretty good at those tracks. Logano is a defending winner at Phoenix. Hamlin won in 2019 the punches ticket to that championship. And Chase won a second in 2017 to Matt Kenseth. So I think those are going to be the three guys who are going to win the championship. Well, we'll talk about who we think is going to win in the next segment. So before we get there, let's finish this up with our top five. So the top five is Kurt Busch finishing in fifth, Brad Kozlowski finishing in fourth, Joe Logano finishing third, Ryan Blaney um, the second time this season. He's finished second at Martinsville. And Chase Elliott finally gets the dub at Martinsville. And also our race picks. Mom, how did you do? Uh, again, I did well. I picked Brad Kozlowski for this race and Despite the fact that he was penalized and had to go all the way to the back, he managed to work his way up and finish in fourth. And therefore, I got four points this week. And I picked Kevin Harvick because I really was convinced that he was going to make it and actually win the race and punch his ticket to Phoenix. So that's probably a little bit of the reason why I was so disappointed that he finished in 17th. Ouch. 
I picked Joey Logano and he got me a third place finish, meaning four points. Good job, Joey. I knew he wasn't going to win, but it's it's a good thing to get points. Denny, so close. Just one spot. It was just one little spot. I think it was to Matt's bit of dead oval. One people. little spot to get in the top 10. Yeah, just get me two points. But again, not my week. Uh, I get what I get. And me was Martin Truex Jr. I am chosen because he's the king of Martinsville. As I say, he won in 2019. He won this year. And then I thought he's obviously going to win and punch his ticket to Phoenix and then because he's the king of Martinsville. But obviously the lug nut incident caused him to pit. And then he finished 22nd and got me nothing. Which is crazy because, again, he led four times for 129 laps, second only to Chase Elliott. So it was really him and Chase Elliott the entire race. Uh, and for him to finish that far outside the top top five and to finish not even in the top 20 is is also a big surprise. Well, you can also expect drivers to dominate, but they don't finish in the top 20. We saw that at Bristol. So the name of the game for NASCAR and trying to win a championship is consistency. You got to be good, not just you got to win races, but you also got to be good the entire season, especially in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And we didn't see that from Harvick. He was going on the regular season, but just fainted as the playoffs went on. Yeah. I mean, he did good early in the playoffs, but yes, as the playoffs went on, he kind of faded. And with that, Giovanni, take us through the last race of the year, the championship race at Phoenix. Well, then, we're going to see who was the 2020 NASCAR Cup Series champion, which was the number nine of Chase Elliott. He ended up taking home the dub after getting himself a win at Martinsville to squeeze into the playoff or the championship four. The MVP move that how he won this championship was the uh, Martinsville pit crew move. When he when the pit crew guy went onto the track and then quickly came back, that was the MVP move how he won this championship. Without it? He would have not he wouldn't have been able to win this race and get the championship. So Chase Elliott better get him something really, really nice for Christmas this year. Maybe another a Chevy Camaro or something really nice. Well, we saw how dominant Chase Elliott was in the uh Martinsville race and clearly in this race. And he got the pull. But the interesting thing is that he was penalized twice for not passing pre-race inspection. And he had such a dominant car that by the end of stage one, he had worked his way all the way up to third place. Yeah, when you when you see a driver drive through traffic that quickly early on, you know that guy's got a good car. And he clearly had the most dominant car and and, and clearly he's shown his ability to drive. He is not, you know only had success on one type of track. Maybe early on, you might have thought he is, he's definitely the road course king. I mean, he's had great success at the road courses. But when he won in Martinsville, it just put a stamp on his ability and obviously got him into the Final Four. And then for him to come out and be as strong as he was at Phoenix, 
uh, arguably another small track. I didn't realize how small the track is. We were talking about that, and you guys were saying it's only like about a mile around. I thought it was a bigger track than that. But either way, he clearly showed the world how good of a driver he is. And it's kind of surprising that we're talking about the 2020 champion, and we have not said Denny Hamlin or Kevin Harvick. The, the kind of year that they dominate had, guys, like, yeah, just like they pretty much just choked at the end. I, I, you know, I don't, I, I don't want to say they choked. I mean, I think it was a, it's a team sport, and we learned this. I think collectively, the team just didn't have yeah, the what team it needed. and them both choked. I, I mean, I, I guess, yeah, Johan. They're the Atlanta Falcons. Oh my goodness! That's so horrible. Wow, that's oh, horrible. Man. They're like leading like twenty eight to like three, and then they choke and lose like in overtime. Uh, well, so wait, the, are you calling the, Chase Elliott uh, Tom Brady here? Yeah, we, don't insult the man. So the interesting thing is, no, it, it's true, and I wouldn't call it choking, but both of those cars were so dominant, like pass or post um, i racing, they became so dominant. And yet it seemed like the last three races, they just they weren't performing to where they were before. You know, I, it was I don't know if it was the cars or the drivers, a combination, but they just weren't. I did not expect for Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin to not get in to get not get into the championship with without winning like they Kevin Harvick didn't make it. And Denny Hamlin got in with points. But I expected that both of those drivers were going to be in the championship race. And it was they were in because of wins, because they secured those spots. As soon as I saw that Denny Hamlin didn't actually win a race in this round of the playoffs and only got in on points, I knew he wasn't going to win. I knew he wasn't going to win because he got lucky off the points and anything could have gone wrong. Had Kevin Harvick actually been able to pass Kyle Busch or successfully um, turn him around without turning himself around, Harvick would have made it in. Yeah, but you can't say that Hamlin got lucky because of the points. The reason, uh, honestly, the points, getting in with points shows you how strong of a season he had. I mean, he was winning races, or if he wasn't, he was finishing top five. Very rarely did he finish out of the top ten the entire year. I mean, think about it, guys. These two guys were so dominant, head and shoulders above the rest. And yes, when it came down to it in the late in the season— they didn't perform when they needed to. I mean, honestly, the pivotal thing for me in Kevin Harvick's season was when he couldn't get past Joey Logano. And that, honestly, that ended his season. I mean, yes, there were a couple more races left in that in that round. But had he won, obviously, he would have been in the Final Four. And then Joey might have been trying to fight it out. Although Joey, if you look at how well he did in the last few races, I mean... I mean, we're going to get into it, but higher, he's, he's he was higher in, He was higher in points. And whether you want to call it luck or not, when it came down to the last race, it was between Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick getting that final spot. Yeah. Okay. And that's what, that Brad was got, what Gia Brad was talking about. Kevin finished, had he su- successfully wrecked Kyle Busch and made it in backwards, he would have taken that spot over Denny Hamlin. Right. But despite the fact that Denny Hamlin was so dominant, he still was fighting for that fourth spot with Kevin Harvick. So it's not like he was in second place or in third place. He barely made it in. Well, but that but that's partly because of the way the points are structured and the fact that Chase Elliott, who honestly 
did not have as strong a run during the playoffs up until when he won at Martinsville. He was a four. I mean, he did have he he did well, but he was outside the top four, and it was because he won. Then he threw all the points off. Had he not won, then it could have been you know Danny and Kevin would have made it in. Either way, you gotta if you win, you're in. You win, and you you guarantee yourself. And they didn't do it. They didn't. They didn't do it when they needed to. They won all these regular season races, and uh, when it came down to the end of the season. Um, you know, they just weren't there. Now you can't argue that they still had one of the top seasons of any driver. I mean, oh no, undoubtedly. Hamlin won how many races this year? Uh, like, like nine a, or ten? No, no. Harvick he, won nine. Harvick won nine. Won I think six. Hamlin won like eight. Six. Six? Yeah. All right, we're gonna have to fact check you, boy. I thought they both were at nine or ten. Well, 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 somebody's gonna fact check and see. Uh, but either way. They both had very strong seasons, and yet they didn't make the final uh, playoffs. I mean, Harvick didn't make the final race, and then Hamlin did, but he he just didn't win. Uh, so hopefully that won't take away from their entire season. I, I know it stings, especially we talked about this. This is the one thing Hamlin hasn't done, right? He's won pretty much every big race there is out there. He's won multiple times at the Daytona 500, three, I believe. Um, and two back to back and two back to back. So this is one of the one thing. This is the one of the things he hasn't done in his career that, you know, in a Hall of Fame career. He's already a Hall of Famer if he were to retire today. So Denny Hamlin won seven races this year. Oh, OK. So we were both wrong, Johan. Seven and Harvick won nine, though, I think. Right. Yeah, yes, we talked yes. about that. So two drivers wins win almost half the races. That's 16 races they won, and they run about 36. So, I mean, that's crazy that they didn't win. How many did Chase win this year? Only four. Five. He won five races. Five races, yeah. And, and the last two. So up into that point, he had only won three times. So had I told you two weeks ago that instead of Kevin Harvick or Danny Hamlin, it would have been Chase Elliott. You guys would have thought no I was one would crazy. Have believed you. No, I mean, here guy, guy, one guy won nine races, another guy won seven, and the other guys won three. And two of those three were road courses, right? Yeah. I mean, he had Daytona Road Daytona Course and the Roval. And the Roval. And then um, I forget the other race he won early on in the season. These are the actually the five races he won. He won the Wednesday um, Charlotte race, he won the Daytona Road Course, the Roval. And then the last two races. Okay, there you go. So pretty impressive uh, for him to come on strong. And and you know what? It kind of reminds me of the run that Tony Stewart had years ago when he won his last championship. He got hot near the end and basically won out and ended up winning the championship by like a point over Carl Edwards. Carl Edwards, yes. Actually, it was a tiebreaker they were tied for points, but it was a tiebreaker that gave um, Tony Stewart the victory over Carl Edwards. Moving on to our stage winners, we had stage one was taken by Joey Logano, and stage two was won by Brad Keselowski. Pretty exciting for the Penske team, which actually both, or actually all of the Penske drivers were really, really good throughout the entire race. Even Ryan Blaney was up there. He was a top 10 driver throughout the entire race. And even finished sixth. So they have really strong cars. And uh, the fact that you have a car that finished in second and, and basically 
had he been able to get around Chase Elliott, would have won the championship. Shows a lot of how strong the Penske program is, and it's a top, top team. It's kind of crazy to think how good they are uh, compared to even Hendrick and, and, and Joe Gibbs. Speaking of Joe Gibbs. While Penske thrived, Joe Gibbs didn't do so well. As we mentioned, Denny Hamlin, despite being in the run for the chase, he did not have a strong car. And as for the others, it was more 10th, 11th, and 22nd place finishes for the team. It's not their best day. But then again, aside from Hamlin, none of them did well this season. Well, I mean, you think about it. They have very strong drivers, and they had flashes. You know, Martin Truex Jr., we kept calling him, like, the quiet assassin because he he was quiet all season, and then all of a sudden he would win a race or finish in a a run of, like, back-to-back top fives, and all of a sudden you're reminded, wow, this guy guy could win the championship. But just... When you know when the when they had to put the chips down, they just they just did not have uh, stronger cars than Chase or even Penske. And it's interesting because I think of Gibbs and Penske as like the rival teams right now, going back and forth. And it kind of felt like that throughout the season, um, but it just feels like overall the Penske cars just just had a much better year. So pretty interesting. And Johan, it was a bit of a bittersweet end to the season for you now why was that because my favorite dri- my favorite driver of all time and the greatest driver of all time better than Dale Earnhardt um that was his last um full-time career race and he um finished top five and finished first uh, first of the non-playoff cars which is pretty impressive a lot of people have been saying that Jimmy Johnson was definitely past his prime and He didn't have it. He didn't make the playoffs. But he actually wanted to remind people one last time what he had and how well he how well of a driver he was throughout his career. Uh, Obviously, one of the top champions. I'm not going to agree with you, even on a day when your guy retires, that he was as good as Dale Earnhardt Sr. I will say he was considered and can and will be considered one of the greatest of all time. I thought it was very touching to see the proverbial passing of the torch when uh, Chase was celebrating. You saw Jimmy Johnson make sure to to celebrate with him on the track. And then in, in victory lane, uh, there was a really cool moment where Hendrick came up to both Chase and Jimmy and gave him kind of like a bear hug, like a, like a group hug kind of deal. It was very sweet, tender moment for, for one of the greatest drivers of all time. And it was a little bittersweet to see him kind of ride off onto the sunset. I don't think it's really hit me that he's retired because why, uh, Johan, why are we excited for next year that it's not a complete goodbye for Jimmy Johnson, right? Where are we going to see him? Well, he's not disappearing from auto racing. He will do all the road course races in IndyCar next season in IndyCar, so I'll be following that. And in the Rolex 24, he may, um, and Chase Elliott may be doing the Rolex 24. So I'm definitely going to watch that. And I've said this before. They haven't announced it, and I don't even think it's a rumor right now. But I definitely think one day, whether it's next year or in the future, that he will do the double of the Indy 500 and then finish the Coca-Cola 600. I think that 
he will do that. Tony Stewart did that. I don't think Jimmy Johnson has. So I think that would be something that, depending on how well he does in IRL and does some of those road courses, I could see him trying to make that happen. So it's not a complete goodbye to Jimmy Johnson, but as a full-time driver, it is. And it is always a little bittersweet to see another one of the greats leave the sport. Uh, We also had uh, his old crew chief, Chad Knauss. I think Karen had mentioned last, uh, last episode that he got a promotion within Hendrick Motorsports and is actually going to be one of their high uh, VPs and executives there. So he is going to retire as a crew chief. And Clint Boyer, more of a fan favorite. Unfortunately, he never really won a championship. He won plenty of races, uh, but he is retiring as well. And he's going to be moving into Fox Sports Broadcasting next year. So another one of the drivers then. So it was a, it was, it's always nice when we get to the last race of the year because we're crowning a champion, a lot of excitement, the culmination of a great year. Uh, but this one was a little bit more bittersweet than normal because, again, we lost uh, a couple of uh, big-time drivers from the full-time circuit. Well, um, this is like 2017 when you got two drivers retiring. It was the uh, Boyer was the Kenziff of the two, and Jimmy was the junior of the two. And Jimmy was the more popular one that everybody was like, all like doing stuff for him. Well, Kenziff really didn't get anything. So, Bo- and Boyer didn't really get anything. That is true. Boyer announced his retirement and nobody really did anything except for Kansas. That remember the 14, those fans laid down on the grass and stuff. That was about it that Boyer got. Yeah. Jimmy got roads named after him, different courses. They gave him all kinds of art, all kinds of stuff. But didn't poor he get, Clint like, Boyer, he just had 14 fans that lined up and in the grass didn't jimmy also get like a section in the stands of certain tracks yeah Atlanta. he got a tunnel named after him yeah, he got too. a tunnel named after his him. dad got to be the grand marshal yeah clint boyer got 14 guys wasn't he a grand marshal in the grass too? what'd you say wasn't jimmy a grand marshal oh he did grand marshal oh yeah one of the i think he did he did yeah so uh yeah we'll see well i guess when you win seven championships you know yeah, you i guess get, <laughs> he's kind of get a big deal things, he's kind he's of a big deal Okay, well, um, one of the cool things about Chase winning this championship was that now he and his dad, Bill Elliott, are the third father-son combo to win Cup Series championships, and they join Lee and Richard Petty and Ned and Dale Jarrett. Yeah, father-son. It it was kind of cool. That was actually a cool moment when they kept showing images of Chase when he was a little kid at the track, and then to see him grow up and to be with his dad now. It was uh, it was actually kind of cool. Uh, and you could see the pride in his dad. And I honestly, Chase like rose to the occasion. Like the pressure was he didn't, you know, it, it didn't seem like the pressure got to him. And they said maybe a part of that was the fact that he grew up in NASCAR, saw what his dad had done. And so it, it didn't really it, it didn't really phase him what he accomplished until it was done. And then he was like, I'm a NASCAR champion. So anyway, pretty cool moment. Johan, why don't you take us through our top five finishers, and then we'll move on to our final race picks of the season. Well, top five finishers were um, Jimmy Johnson finishing fifth, Denny Hamlin finishing fourth, Joey Logano finishing third, Brad Zulowski finishing runner-up of the championship and runner-up of the race, and the champion and the winner, Jay Elliott. It's the Let's Go Racing Family Race Picks of the Week. All right. So this week, 
Instead of talking about what's coming up, we're going to talk about what we just went through in the championship race to end the season. So one of the things that we did last week was because it was a championship race, we flipped the standings. And so Giovanni, you got to pick. Who did you pick and how did he finish? I picked Joey Logano and well, he was dominant during the first stage, but had some vibrations in the car around the beginning of stage two-ish and he just got slow and couldn't compete with the others. So he ended up finishing third. Johan, who did you pick? And where did he finish? Uh, I picked on um, Brad Kozlowski. He um, was the 2012 Cup Series champion, and I chose him because apparently he was the fan favorite coming into this championship race. And he finished second, so that wasn't too far off. All right, I picked Danny Hamlin. I thought for sure he was going to win his first championship. He was going to go into the season as an owner of the 2311 team with a championship under his belt. Unfortunately, that did not happen. And he finished in fourth. Sebastian, who did you pick? I picked Chase Elliott, who was not only able to win the race and the championship, but he got me six points this week. And for this week, Karen, who did you pick and where did you end up? Well, since all the championship drivers were taken, I went with Kevin Harvick because even though he wasn't in the rate in the championship, I thought that he would have done really well at this race because it's one of his best tracks. And he finished seventh. And that got you how many points? Two points, right? Two. Yep. Two points. Well, that was enough. Well, you really clinched it the week before because Karen is our champion this year with 51 points, finishing first in our first annual race picks. And so, and so next, next year, she's going to get the pick first and see if she can repeat in our Let's Go Racing Family Race Picks of the Week. And see if he can win the Daytona 500 on race picks. We'll see. We'll see. Hey, you guys want to know a fun fact? This is the first week of race picks that we all finished in the top 10 with points. Yeah, I was looking at that. Like everybody actually had really, I mean, partly again, uh, you know, all of us, most of us were able to choose the championship four and they all finished uh, one, two, three, and four. So, and Kevin Harvick, I think at one point was like, out of the top 20 and he worked his way back up and finished in the top 10. So yeah. I actually impressive. had to ask if Kevin Harvick actually came to the race because <laughs> I didn't know where he was. We hadn't seen him all race. And then all of a sudden there you saw him going, uh, going into the pits. And then from that point on, he actually drove his way back up. All right. And now it's Tony's six degrees of NASCAR where Tony tries to connect pop culture with NASCAR in less than six degrees of separation. All right, so this is going to be our last six degrees of NASCAR for the season. And so it has come down to Johan. Johan, who am I going to connect to NASCAR in less than six degrees of separation? The The L.A. Laker, LeBron James. LeBron James. Well, it's so appropriate that you mentioned LeBron James because this was championship weekend. And for those of you that might remember, he won the 2020 NBA championship 
with his L.A. Lakers in this year's NBA bubble in Orlando. Boring. (laughs) Hey, look, the guy's a four-time champion. Well, LeBron James is one of the most popular athletes and, again, considered one of the best ever play. But we're not going to have that dispute because I don't think he comes close to Michael Jordan. But that's for another day. He won a championship with Cleveland, now with the Lakers, and two with the Heat. So how do I connect him to NASCAR? It's actually pretty quick for this week. He has a direct connection to the sport that actually goes back 15 years. Back in August of 2005, LeBron James attended the Sharpie 500. And and again, this was the uh, night race at Bristol. And he joined in the pre-race activities. They had a basketball hoop set up up at the top of the 36 degree uh, 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 at the 36 degree banking. And he basically had to dribble the basketball up the ramp and try to shoot it. And it was so high, he couldn't even dunk it. He just shot it in. He was also on Bobby Labonte's what number car? 18. The 18 as part of the Powerade sponsorship. Well, if you fast forward 15 years, he considers himself, he's considered a friend of Bubba Wallace and is actually one of the uh, main athletes that spoke out in support of Bubba Wallace during this past summer when Bubba was dealing with a lot of backlash from different people regarding racism and Bubba's fight for racial equality. And uh, I actually have a feeling if the schedule works out, you're going to see LeBron James at a NASCAR race next year. That is how you connect LeBron James to NASCAR. His friendship with Bubba Wallace and his own likeness on a car back in 2005 at a Bristol One degree. I think that's the best one you've done. It was pretty quick. It was pretty quick. Yes. I think we could also see um, LeBron James on El Bubba Wallace's car because next year, if no more movies get delayed, LeBron James will be in the new Space Jam movie. And since the original Space Jam had Michael Jordan, maybe they might do a tie-in. That's actually a pretty good idea. That I could definitely that, see that. That would be pretty cool. A Space Jam car. I know somebody's going to want to go to the merchandise truck for the 2311, uh, 2311 team. Yes, Johan. Or like you got like 23X11. Now you're going to have like 23X23. Well, first of all, it's it's just 2311. So the X1 is actually the Roman numeral of 11. So when you read it, it's actually supposed to be 2311. Oh. Yeah. So now it's not X, X1 It's going to be like 2323 because <laughs> like they're friends. They're going to make a NASCAR team. It's going to be 2323. Oh, you think LeBron James is going to come to NASCAR as an owner too? Yeah. Well. And they're going to be right. Hey, depending on how much success Michael Jordan has, maybe LeBron James will be motivated. If Michael Jordan's team ends up winning a championship, you know, since LeBron wants to claim that he's as good as Michael, maybe he'll find himself in NASCAR. That'll be exciting. NBA NASCAR crossover. Yeah. Well, there were actually, you know, we talked about Michael Jordan. We talked about LeBron James. Uh, I I think that, you know, especially because now you have a sponsor like Michael Jordan in the sport, I think you may see more players. Um, being at some of the races. I mean, you think about the the home team 
for a lot of these drivers are the Charlotte Hornets. And I think that's kind of where Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan have built their friendship and relationship because I'm, I'm pretty sure that Denny has season tickets to the Hornets, which again, Michael Jordan's an owner. So yeah, it'll be, it'll be really interesting to see how the sport continues to grow. We're hoping to see a lot of that next year. So as we get ready to wrap up the last part of our last regular season episode, we're going to move into racing through life. And this week, it's all about NASCAR news. Uh, there was there's actually a lot of news over the past few weeks, and there'll be even more news during the offseason. Yeah. Speaking of drivers, finally, we know where Eric Jones is going. He is going to and I, I actually thought this would be the one uh, race team that he would go to. So he is. It is confirmed that Eric Jones is going to be driving for the number 43 of Richard Petty Motorsports. And the thing that's significant about that, they talked about it, is that a lot of these uh, younger drivers that are coming up are coming with sponsors already, and it kind of forces the hand of some of the owners. That's why Brad Keselowski, the guy that finished in second place, could have won his second championship this year had he been able to get around Chase Elliott. Nobody knew where he was going to race next year because he couldn't get a deal done because he of all these other younger drivers that came with sponsors already built in. And this guy's a champion. Well, with Eric Jones, he didn't have a sponsor. He just they Richard Petty signed him without a sponsor already connected to him. So I think that goes to show what they believe in Eric Jones. And honestly, I hope a change of scenery goes well for him, just like Joey Logano changing from Gibbs to Team Penske. No one will argue that Joey Logano is one of the top drivers in all of NASCAR, but they could have argued that a lot when he was still with Joe Gibbs. And it just seemed like he needed to get out of there and was able to the change of scenery. And it works the other way, too. I mean, you look at Martin Truex Jr. He's done really well coming over to Joe Gibbs. So it just, you know, change of scenery is always good. So I'm, I'm actually very happy for Eric Jones to go to Richard Petty uh, Motorsports. Another new driver is Chase Briscoe from the Xfinity Series taking over Stuart Haas's 14 car since Clint Boyer is leaving. And from what I've heard and you guys have heard, Chase Briscoe has done pretty good in Xfinity, right? Yeah, but he didn't win because he spun out on like two laps ago in the Xfinity Series championship. But he did do good, right? Yeah. yeah, he's been pretty good. He was like the dominant car. So do you think that one of the reasons Chase Briscoe is coming into the 14 is because he's one of those young drivers that is coming up with a sponsor? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I don't know. Who is who is the sponsor? Do we know? For what? His Xfinity Does he? I mean, the if ride? they've announced it, then then yeah, I don't know if he actually, I don't honestly know about Chase specifically, um, but uh, probably is is probably because if you think about it, I mean, again, sponsorship in the sport is the lifeblood. And especially now, it's going to be kind of interesting in this off season because I think a lot of companies, uh, spe- you know, that sponsor in NASCAR are going to look at how much they spend and you're going to have some changes. So I think a guy like Chase Briscoe probably getting that seat means that some sponsor has said, we're going to sponsor that guy, you know? Uh, and, and so that might and they may already have a deal done and say, hey, if you sign this guy, we're going to sponsor that car for the year. And I think the most recent and 
exciting news that NASCAR has shared is that there's going to be a driver that's going to be coming back to NASCAR. Who's that driver, guys? Matt Tiff, I'm guessing. No. No. Someone a little bit more well-known in the sport. Carl Edwards. No, not Carl Edwards. Dale Kyle Larson. <laughs> Kyle Larson. Yes, where are you getting Carl Edwards? Kyle that, Larson. that would be legendary. Uh, that would be, I would actually be really excited. I've already talked to you about Carl Edwards. But yes, Kyle Larson. And, and why is that uh, a good thing? Well, we all know, we talked about it. We did a whole episode on it that, you know, Kyle Larson w- was basically fired for using a word and, and saying a word that should not be in anyone's vocabulary. And, you know, he, there are consequences to decisions you make in life. And he's learned a lot in the time that he hasn't been in the sport. And we'll talk a little bit more about this, I think, in the offseason, um, because there was actually a great interview. Um, I think I mentioned this before with James Brown from CBS that uh, CBS this morning that they did. And Kyle talked about what he has gone through since he got fired and how he thought a lot about what he had done uh, and the fact that he he didn't consider himself a racist, but what he did was definitely racist in, in using that word. And it was something that he knows now cannot be in his vocabulary. And he actually has a connection with um, African-Americans through an inner city program that he was uh, a, a sponsor of uh, in terms of supporting. Uh, it, it was uh, one of the nonprofits that he gave back to. And the name of the, the the nonprofit escapes me. But basically, the idea was to get kids that might not have access to a career in motorsports. Like he would uh, sponsor and or he would give back by connecting with these kids and, and mentoring them. And some of these kids he knew before the news came out of what he had said and what he had done and he had disappointed them and some of the people that he had worked with and he, you know, he came clean. He, you know, apologized and, and, and worked to rehabilitate his image and learn on what he can do to be different and to change the narrative and to really educate people about why it's so important to be careful of the words that you use and that words can hurt and words are powerful. And if used the wrong way, they could be destructive. And he was reminded of that and dealt with it. And his, his is a story of rehabilitation, second chances. Hendrick said that, you know, Hendrick said, you know, we're a country and, and, a, and a culture of second chances, and we should be willing to give people second chances. And there's a lot of a debate, and rightfully so, about uh, racism in this country and equality. And somebody that really made a bad mistake and said something that was really wrong is learning from it. But not only learning from it, he can teach others the importance of not using words like that and why it's so important to be careful how you, you know, how you, how you speak and, and how you represent other people. So Kyle Larson signed on with Hendrick Motorsports and he will be driving the number five. We haven't seen that car in quite a while. Which Since means which car is retiring? The, the 88. So now 
Uh, where where was where's Bowman going? To he the- will actually be moving to the forty eight, taking over Jimmy's car. So now you've got Hendrick with Bowman in the forty eight. You're going to have Kyle Larson in the five, and you're going to have Chase Lilly in the nine. And then what's the fourth car? William Byron in the twenty four. That's a pretty strong team. Yeah. It'll be you know, a very strong team next year. I remember, wasn't Kyle Busch at one point? Like, didn't he drive like a five with some cereal on it and he drove for Hendrix? Yeah. yeah he had like five cars. Yeah. I remember that. Casey Kane drove the number five. Kyle Busch drove the number five. Yeah. Yeah. So it's had a long history. Um, I was retired, I think, for the nine. Uh, no, no. Mom was the one that reminded me of why they basically what car number it was it was the 88 yeah the so 88 when was when junior Dale. came over to hendrick motorsports they put away the five and then they brought out the 88 because he was the eight when he used to drive for his dad's company yeah no it was in 2017 the teams were the 24 the 48 the five and the 88 so what wait, wait how many is that what was that four so who drove the five? Casey Kane. Okay, so this is basically how it was. When in the at by 2010, it was the 88 Dale Jr., the 24 Jeff Gordon, the 48 Jimmy Johnson, and the five Casey Kane. What then they started to retire. Jeff Gordon retired first, oh, you're and right. um Chase Elliott took into the 24. Then in 2017, they retired the five, added the nine, shipped Chase Elliott to the nine, That's then put right. William Byron That's in right. the 24. And then Dale Jr. retired and they put Alex Bowman in the 88 and Jimmy Johnson had to leave that team until his retirement. And now they're moving Bowman to the 48, adding the five and putting Kyle Larson. In. Yes, because they brought the nine or they moved Chase into the nine because of, that was his dad's number. Oh, that's right. That's, that's what right. it was. That's right. Well, I guess Larson's going to be the, have to be the new guy who leads. Maybe Chase is going to help him. You know, this is actually the next wave of Hendrick's, Hendrick drivers. I remember when it used to be Jimmy Johnson, Jeff Gordon, Casey Kane, and Dale Jr. Now it's going to be Chase Elliott, William Byron, Alex Bowman, and Kyle Larson. Yeah, and, they're a young well, team, I'll say, and yes. they're all super talented. I was going to say, Kendrick has a young, talented team. Yeah. So, so be, I think Kendrick will actually be prospering in the uh, near future. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna be a very strong team again, and it's because it's kind of crazy. At some point, the last couple of years, you kind of forget how powerful that team is. We were reminded last year uh, when we went to Charlotte and we visited all the different team owner uh, their um, their facilities, and we were just blown away. We were just blown away by Hendrick. So, Giovanni, before I hand it over to you to take us out, I did want to announce that. We will be back for a season two beginning February 10th, 2021, which is the Wednesday before the Daytona 500. So we're excited to uh, come back with a new season and we're going to look at the format of the show. And if any of our listeners have any suggestions, we'd love to hear them. Make sure to send us an email or you can reach us on social media, but our Regular season return will be February 10th, 2021. Well, I just want to say goodbye because this season has been a fun season. Yeah, and we actually uh, want to thank you all for listening to our podcast and maybe even getting into NASCAR if you're new. I hope you guys will be back next season and maybe you guys can tell your friends now that we're done. They can then listen through all 
and then they can become fans of this podcast. And I want to um, I want to say to the listeners, happy holidays. All right, Giovanni, why don't you take us out? Well, that's going to wrap up this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening on in. Please leave a like, subscribe, and download our podcast episode so you can listen to us whenever you want, wherever you want. Let's go racing, family. Out, and we'll see you in 2021.